Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lentz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. We're beginning our series in the Song of Solomon called An Invitation to Intimacy. These teachings are carefully thought out by Pastor Michael, and the subject matter is best suited for married or engaged couples. These teachings may not be suitable for young children. Now here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane's teaching in chapter 2 and 3, God's Timing for Intimacy. This is where the Bible gets into roles delegated for men and for women. And there are roles that are appropriate. You know, when we talk about women not supposed to be ordained into the pastorate, that is not suppressing women. The Bible is not saying we need to oppress and suppress women. They're not allowed to be pastors. That's not what the Bible is talking about. The Bible is saying there is a role for a man and there is a role for a woman. And the women, clearly in Scripture, I don't know why the church gets this so wrong, you guys. Because it's very clear, and we could go there today, but we don't have time. But Paul says women are not to be shepherds over the flock. It's very black and white. If you've been told that it's up for debate, you've been lied to. The scripture is very plainly saying that women are not to be ordained into the pastorate. Do I hate women? Am I sexist? No. My wife is a lot smarter than me with most things. Probably more qualified to talk about some of this stuff than I am. But the Bible has made it clear that her role is not to be a shepherd over the church. An overseer is the word there. And so this, when you, when people come at you and they start saying, oh, you're sexist and you're, um, look, to be a complementarian means that your wife is in a complementary role. Women are in a complementary role and that you guys sustain and, and encourage and lift up each other when you are in the right roles that God has set and ordained. Just like in marriage, men are to be the authority over their household. I had a conversation with Pastor Michael, who is wise, very wise. I, I do not take for granted uh, the fact that I have a father. I can, a, a literal earthly father I can go to and seek biblical wisdom. And I, I have many friends who are on staff at churches where women are ordained as pastors. And I sometimes struggle with that and how to reconcile that. And um, I, I, I went to my pops and I just said, hey, you know, how do you reconcile a church that has this situation where they're ordaining women? And my dad said, you know, it's not that they aren't a church. Because I said, is it a church? I mean, is the Holy Spirit blessing what they're doing? How do you, how do you, I'm genuinely asking. I don't know. And he was like, it's not that they're not a church or that the Holy Spirit is per se absent. But he said, just like in a marriage, and this is biblical wisdom. He said, just like in a marriage, when the man is not leading his household and the wife is not submitting, it's not that they don't have a marriage. It's that they're out of order. And many churches are out of order in this area. And for you this morning, let's now turn it into some application. Is your marriage out of order? Women, are, are wives, are you allowing your husband to lead your family? Are you letting him do it? Or do you domineer and, and, and make demands and try to run the show and not give him that ability to, to operate in his God-given role? Men, are you trying to lead your family? Or are you being passive and lazy? Scripture says, woe to the lazy man, to the sluggard. Scripture also says in Proverbs, a little bit of sleep, a little bit of slumber, a little bit of folding of the hands, and poverty will come upon you. We need to be men who are intentional and stepping up and leading our families. 
And even in this area of intimacy, I believe that the man oftentimes has a leading role in how he leads his wife and does this in a way that is honoring to our Heavenly Father. Can I just tell you that I love the language here of, I have found the one in whom my, whom my soul loves. I love that language. You know why? Because when you start to view your spouse as a soul and not just a physical body that you're attracted to, it changes everything. Because when you start to see your spouse as a soul, a daughter of the highest king, I want to return my bride better than I found her. When I have to ultimately, at the end of my days, give her back to the Lord, I want to return her well-kept and taken care of and honored and respected. And so men, are you doing that? Women, are you doing that with your spouse? And so when we get into intimacy, if we want to have good intimacy, we need to have the foundation built there. And Christ needs to be the one who rules and reigns. We need to be operating according to his will. This is the last section for us. Chapter 3 begins and says, now we are seeing a dream from the bride. On my bed by night, I sought him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. This is a dream. Let's keep that in mind as we read. So this is something she's dreaming about. I will rise now and go about the city in the streets and in the squares, and I will seek him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. I love that language. There it is. My soul loves. It's a soul connection. You know, our, 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 our society has whittled sex down um, to just a physical interaction and nothing else. So we have uh, therefore diminished the value of sex. I remember um, a pastor a long time ago on a book about this. Uh, it's actually Levi Lusco. I don't necessarily know everything Levi Lusco teaches, but I know this. I heard him in an interview talking about his book, Swipe Right, talking about our, our, our culture and how we've diminished the value of sex. And he said this, and I thought this was a great example. He said, did you know, and I've shared this before, if you've heard it before, sorry, um, that the pineapple used to be like a rare thing. It was like a really big deal. In European culture, they found these tropical fruits called pineapples, right? So they start bringing them over on ships, and to have a pineapple was like a big deal. I love pineapple. Anybody love pineapple? It's like my favorite fruit. So sweet. Although ours always go bad before we eat them. We just have terrible luck. Like we forget it's there. And then when we go to cut into it, it's like moldy. I'm like, what is going on? I want to just eat the pineapple. Um, <laughs> you're like, what? So I remember he's saying that these people would actually have pineapple viewing parties. Yeah, like, if you were wealthy and you got your hands on a pineapple, you wouldn't eat it. People would come over and be like, my Lord. Yeah, I don't know if those people I'll talk. <laughs> be like, look at this pineapple. You know, they, <laughs> that's how people talk in that time, I guess. And people come over and they actually look at the pineapple. They wouldn't eat it. They just look at it. Now, when companies like Dole and others started processing pineapples and, and getting them into the, uh, getting them all around the European area, it became less and less common. You know what happens when something becomes more common? Its value is what? Yeah. Yeah, you know all about it because you're paying $7 a gallon for gas right now. It's crazy. When you print more money, the value of money goes down. This principle is true in sex. When sex becomes overly accessible, its value is decreased. And so what happens is, over time, our culture has worked its way to a place where sex is so accessible, uh, that feeling of very temporary satisfaction through means of pornography and masturbation has become so accessible and so normal and even encouraged by our culture that sex has been decreased as far as its value. It's just true. And so if we were to get back to the way that God wants us to operate in this area, it would, 
its value would begin to increase. It's something sacred and holy, and it's for the married couple. And so she's having this dream of seeking out her husband. You know, uh, many ladies can relate to this feeling of not being able to sleep when their, their husband's not home, right? Uh, sometimes I go away for music or to travel, and my wife says she hates being home a- alone, you know? And uh, I think that's a sign of a healthy marriage. I think that it's good. You know, I don't like when she leaves, too. She's gone on a women's retreat or something, and I'm like, this is weird. Like, I got a king bed to myself. I don't even know what to do until the baby's awake. And now I have, somehow we got a bigger bed, and then somehow my two-foot-tall child, I end up with one foot of that king bed. I don't know how that's possible. I'm sleeping on my side. If I breathe wrong, I will fall off. (laughs) And so there's this desire to be together, and she's seeking him out. And it says in verse 4 that scarcely I had, had I passed them, and when I found him whom my soul loves, I held him and would not let him go. A picture of the vows there, that before God until death do his part. Until I brought him into my mother's house, and this is obviously sexual language of consummation, of being together, and into the chamber of her who conceived me. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem. Now this is a target audience for this letter. Now she turns, if you will, to young women. So if you're a young single woman in the room this morning, hear this. And she says, and this could be applied to the men too, I, O daughters of Jerusalem, I adjure you by the gazelles or by the, uh, the does of the field that you not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Or you could say, don't have sex until it is the right time and the right time is God's time. You know, we don't have much time left, but I want to just say this. The issue of modesty is just something that I could not get away from as I was studying this. I have heard many young women and had conversations with young women who have told me that it is not their responsibility that if a man lusts after them, that's on the man. Now, to a certain degree, that is true. Men, we need to have covenant eyes. We need to guard our eyes and we need to, we need to be seeking the Lord and not looking on women and, and, you know, Googling after women and, and we're like infatuated with women. And so men are visual creatures. And so they start to get easily swept up into what they're looking at. And so we need to guard our eyes. That is very true and there's a responsibility on men. But can I just say, I have a wife and we'll go shopping and sometimes she'll be like, she takes a shirt and it's hanging on the rack still. You've experienced this. And she's like, this is so cute. And then she takes it off the rack and I'm like, Where's the other half of it? Because, and I saw a meme the other day and it said, just FYI to all the major retailers, there's still a whole generation of women that would prefer the other half of the shirt. Can I just be very honest with you guys this morning as a man standing before you, men are visual creatures. When a woman is walking around and there's cleavage, when the midsection is hanging out, when the shorts are too short, you are responsible to a certain degree for how you dress. And it is not fair or, or biblical to just say, I can wear whatever I want. If a man lusts after me, that's his problem. No. Because the Christ-like Christian behavior would say, I will prefer the people around me. And far be it for me to stumble anybody into sin. Now, this can obviously get taken to an extreme And we see that in different cultures where women are not allowed to show any part of their body. That's not what I'm talking about. But modesty is important. And it is an attribute of a young, godly woman. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Shane in a moment. If you listen to Walk in Truth on a regular basis, we could use your help by becoming a monthly financial partner. Our mission on Walk in Truth is to help people like you become better equipped with God's Word to address today's issues, trends, and culture. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with other monthly expenses. What we really need is more monthly partners so the program will be sustained in the months and maybe even years to come. Our ultimate goal is to eventually become 100% listener-supported and then have the ability to broadcast on more radio stations to reach more people like you. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner, giving $10 to $20 a month. You can give online today at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. Now back to the Walk in Truth series called An Invitation to Intimacy. The subject matter is best suited for married or engaged couples and may not be suitable for young children. Here's Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane. And we see that in different cultures where women are not allowed to show any part of their body. That's not what I'm talking about. But modesty is important and it is an attribute of a young godly woman. Men, when you are dating someone, if they are regularly showing a lot of skin and unashamed to show off their body, you need to ask the question, do I want other men looking at my potentially future wife's body like that and having that view? I don't even want to go to the beach a lot of times anymore with my wife because I, I look in every direction and I'm like, oh, wow, okay, hello. <laughs> it is so inappropriate, the things that are being worn. And women are basically in their underwear in public. And how we've gotten to this point, I can't really understand it, but I can tell you this, if we got back to the way that God defined things, we would be in a much better place. Men, have covenant eyes, guard your eyes, and do not look on women with lust. Jesus himself said, if you look on a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Women, dressed in a way that would honor your heavenly father and would save your body and your breasts and your rear and the things that God has created for intimacy for your husband. You don't need anybody else seeing that stuff. Please, for the sake of honoring God and for the sake of your husband and to the husbands, if you are a person who's encouraged your bride to dress that way, you need to reassess, buddy. You need to reassess where your priorities are at. That's a weird subject to address. I'm sorry, but it, I think it needs to be said. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. You know, as we wrap up today, and Van, you guys can come out. I know that this is a difficult text. I know that some of you in this room have struggling marriages right now. Some of you no longer have a marriage. You've been through a divorce. Some of you have lost your spouse can I just encourage you that there is hope in Jesus? And I will say this, that if you've made mistakes in this area, join the club. Unfortunately, statistics show that even in the church, most couples fail in this area. The defining thing, though, is that we choose not to continue sinning. 
Turn to John chapter 8 as we close, and I'll just read this quickly. This is such an amazing story in the New Testament passages. John chapter 8, I'm going to start reading it for the sake of time, says this. But when Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning, he came again to the temple. And all the people came to him and sat down, and, and, and he taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. Many scholars believe this was a setup, that they set this woman up for failure. It's an awful scene. And placing her in the midst, they throw her into the public square, humiliating her in front of everybody. Probably barely clothed because she was just caught in this act. A humiliating situation for this young woman. They said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery. Now in the law of Moses, it commands us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? They said this to test Jesus, that they might somehow catch him and bring some charge against him. Jesus bent down and started writing with his finger on the ground. We don't know what Jesus wrote. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, I just love this story. Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard what he had said, they went away one by one beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman, standing before him, probably her head sunk to the ground, ashamed and embarrassed, probably thinking she's about to die. And Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Or one translation says, Where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You know, all of us have made mistakes and we've done things we regret. That passage is one of my favorite accounts in all of Scripture because it's our story. It's your story. You were dead in your sin. And your accusers were ready to throw those stones. But Jesus Christ stepped in and said, Where are your accusers? They don't condemn you and neither do I. Go and sin no more is the part of the story we cannot forget. We are now called to live a life of holiness in light of the forgiveness that's been poured out upon us. And so if you're struggling in this area, if it's pornography, if it's adultery in some form, if your marriage is lacking the intimacy that it needs, you need to get help and you need to do it today. Stop putting it off, stop making excuses, and make things right. Because when your sex life is healthy and is biblical in your marriage, God uses it to unify you and your spouse in a unique and beautiful way. But there are foundational things that must be in the right place first. So Father, help us to do that. Thank you for the time that we've had this morning in your word. Thank you that even in these texts where at face value we might read through them and in our finite human brains wonder how we could apply this to our life. Lord, there's so much rich wisdom. Thank you for your forgiveness that's been poured out on us. And if we've fallen short in this area, may we accept that forgiveness. May we receive it as a free gift and then walk in obedience and desire to honor you. I pray for marriages in this room this morning, Father, that are hurting, that are broken, that you would begin restoration. If there are men and women sitting in this room who can hardly stand to even be in the same room as their spouse. I pray for unity. 
I pray for forgiveness. I pray against the enemy doing his work of division and stirring up bitterness in our hearts. Today can be a day of healing, but we need to surrender our marriages to you. We need to surrender the things that we're struggling with to you, however it may apply to us. I want to pray for specifically other young couples. Father, I want to pray for young marriages that you would sustain them that you would strengthen them, that they would be an example to the next generation that is so also confused about sexuality and that there would be many young men and women who would stand on biblical principles and say, no, this is what God has said and so we will stand by it. And may their marriages be a beam of light into a dark world. I pray for dating couples here this morning who are getting to know each other still and courting each other and considering marriage in their future, that you'd give them wisdom and discernment and that you would keep them pure. And if they've already failed, that you would begin to change their hearts and convict them, Lord, so that they would begin to honor you in this area of purity. You've been listening to God's Timing for Intimacy, Part 4 on Walk in Truth. That was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's son, Pastor Shane's teaching, in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 8, to chapter 3, verse 5. Remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can always listen to Walk in Truth on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more podcast apps. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Hey, we'd also love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions you may have from today's teaching or maybe from a previous teaching. Or maybe you have a question about something else, or you need encouragement or prayer. Hey, maybe you'd like to share how Pastor Michael's teachings have affected you personally. You can always email Pastor Michael at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. Hey, and thanks for reaching out. We'd love to hear from you. You can also find our mailing address on walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, maybe you would say, you know what, as I look at the Bible, and maybe you're newer to the Bible, or maybe not, I'm having a tough time with the roles of men and women in the church and in marriage. What is this submission thing? And what is this this idea of the man is the head and the woman is called to submit? And how do I navigate that in light of our culture? That seems to be in chaos over gender roles, not just that which is in marriage, but really across the board. Is the Bible outdated, antiquated? What about the women's liberation movement? What about this or that? And people have all these questions. You know, when Paul makes his argument for order in the church and order in marriage, he does not appeal to cultural winds, but to creation. We would say the orders of creation. God made male and female and made gender roles to bring order, beauty, clarity, and love. These are not bad things. When they're done right, male headship is not about dominating. It's about dying for your bride. Submission is not about, you know, I'm just going to be at his whim, whatever he says. No, submission is, it's a picture of the gospel. And when a woman honors her husband, she'll submit to his leadership and encourage his leadership, and there'll be a beautiful symmetry in marriage, love, respect, all those things. God's plan is good, right, and true. We're the ones that mess it up. But don't get rid of the structure. 
just because sometimes you feel like it's done not done right or because the culture tells you that it's not in keeping with the culture. Look, the winds of culture will blow back and forth and up and down, but God's word remains stable and solid forever. Hey, each Wednesday night here at Living Truth Christian Fellowship, where I serve as senior pastor, we have a midweek service. We've been going through the incredible book of Hebrews. And we're at the tail end, but in some of the most powerful sections in the book about faith and endurance. Each Wednesday night, 7 p.m. at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. Hey, if you're anywhere near the Inland Empire, come on out. We're right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue. 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona. We have a youth group that also happens on Wednesday nights. So if you have a teenager or you have a, a child that's younger, we have stuff available for all of them. Wonderful times of teaching, fellowship, worship. And you can find out information, driving directions, and even how to connect with that via live stream if you're out of the area. When you go to walkintruth.com, click on the church tab, walkintruth.com. See you right here tomorrow. If you're a longtime listener, would you please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner? Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with some of the behind-the-scenes work for this ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for only $5 a month and visit walkintruth.com to give. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in the Song of Solomon, chapter 3, verse 6, to chapter 5, verse 1, called, Behold, the Bridegroom is Coming. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.